Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and we are, as promised, going back to Gaza uh, to talk about events. How do things have changed and how much has not changed since the most recent escalation? Uh, listeners will be well aware that we try to continue to cover this in across the platform, but how difficult it can be. Uh, and one of the best voices we had in the last few months is is journalist Issam Adwan. Uh, he's an activist researcher. And, uh, you know, the last time we spoke, Issam, it was very much a case of when will when will this sort of uh, the world pay attention. Now we saw the world paid attention for maybe two or three days and moved on. How are things now? Um, thank you. Thank you, Tony, for hosting me again. Uh, I think it's it's very essential. The work that you're doing is that you're also talking about Gaza in situations where we're not being bombed. And this is what we have been calling for during the past 15 years of siege, included four or five brutal wars launched on Gaza. So it's it's very essential that you keep asking about the situation and how it's uh, and how it escalates and how people are coping up with the situation and how they are dying, even without bullets shot or bombs dropped on Gaza. So the situation, as I highlighted before, it's really it's really deteriorating, even to me on a personal level, as I don't know if you have been following my Twitter, but I all I applied for an event happening in Bethlehem, which is a Palestinian land, I applied to as one of the coordinators for the project called On Location Arts from Gaza. And I was invited for the first time in my 29 years, uh, a chance to visit my Palestine. But unfortunately, in the last three days, before three days, I've received a rejection by the Israeli authorities. It's really, it's really on a personal it hurts me, but it also reminds me of the other hundreds of thousands of Palestinians who are dying on those borders uh, crossings, uh, trying to get you know medication or pursuing education and 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 lots of other things that they are basically human rights that sh- they shouldn't be granted; they should be enjoyed. But for the Gazans, they have been bargained on a almost daily uh, daily life levels. They have been bargained those basic human rights uh, and those granted by Israel. If we behaved properly, if we remain silent, and I'm, I'm going to talk about this remaining silent death policy that we have been uh, living over the past 15 years. So uh, unfortunately, the situation is not the same, but it keeps getting worse and worse day by day. Just uh, see, I know looking at you, how how upset you are yourself at not being able to travel, but they quoted security uh, reasons yeah. for this. Uh, I have experience of other journalists in in Gaza and parts of, of the West Bank in that who've experienced this sort of treatment because they as as a way of almost censoring the press do you feel that there's a, an element of of punishing you for some of the reporting that you've done yeah personally i believe so and not particularly not in my case because uh, there are other other hundreds of journalists not particularly palestinians but journalists who would like to come to gaza for instance to to provide, you know, to report on facts and, you know, things happening in Gaza, during, especially during the bombings. And some of them, they are denied access to Gaza, which is the right of the freedom of the press, for instance. For Palestinians of people of my age, youth, we are most likely 99% we will be denied whatever reasons we're providing to travel, even to travel to Palestinian lands. So we're not talking about visiting inside the occupied territories or Israel whatsoever, even trying to go throughout Palestine to Jordan, for instance, to travel through the airport to 
any country. This will be most likely be denied by the Israeli authorities, by the Jordanian authorities as well. And this also applies to the Egyptian authorities. So the situation is not uh, is not limited to the practice of the Israeli authorities, but it's like a policy for the surrounding countries as well, which is so unfortunate to imagine that even for people of your own blood, of your own religion, of your own language, they are cooperating to have a sense of cooperation of this inhumane a, a, a life that the Palestinians have been living so far, particularly Palestinians. Oh, it's it's a very it's a very effective blockade. It's a blockade yeah. on 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 so many levels. The blockade it's it's both a physical blockade, it's an emotional one, it's a socioeconomic it one, it and it and and it it infiltrates all this. And I, I see it all the time when I talk to people who are experiencing this. Can I ask though? You know, much of the crisis, as we saw, was the the shortage of electricity, the shortage of of medicines, and the shortage of of Food and water, water was becoming very difficult. How are things now since then? And and unfortunately, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so it saddens me, really saddens me to imagine that I keep repeating that it's keep it's it, it's getting worse. It's getting really worse. So just to put an imagination for people who are debating debating and arguing about the fact that Gaza is an open is the largest open air prison, is that. Imagine this is 365 square kilometers, 2 million people living uh, under harsh policies, denied the majority of the rights, including the right to travel, even to travel to Palestinian lands. Uh, and those people, they are living medical crisis of a shortage of more than 60% of basic medications and expertise. And the infrastructures, uh, the infrastructure is, is hugely damaged. Imagine this infrastructure's uh, this infrastructure uh, has gone through five brutal wars with a with a continuous bombardment launch on on densely neighborhoods, uh, destroying electricity, destroying sewage uh, channels, and and lots of communication channels as well. And this happened from you know we're talking about years of 2008, uh, 11, and 12. Uh, 2014, 2021st, and the 2022nd. So imagine this continuous crisis that people have to live, uh, to live by, and to live with. And there is no time for this to be resolved. There is no time for it, for reconstruction of even homes destroyed, even hospitals targeted, even you know equipment destroyed, even journalists to have a little bit you know to breathe to report on those. But it keeps going cases happening, you know, uh, uh, people dying and, and things escalating, even uh, uh, even during these times of what people uh, what people hear nothing about the Gaza. So, so that's why, as I said in the beginnings, is that it's very essential to keep asking what is going on in Gaza, even in the times no bombings falling and no bullets shot. And it's actually um, much broader than just Gaza. We've seen more es escalations. We've seen violence and we've seen people murdered and, and people killed and people shot in Janine. We've seen events and a lot of mass arrests in the West Bank. Do you want to give us a sense of some of those? And maybe, you know, I've heard stories about people um, losing their lives while they were while they were on social media. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happens. I mean, not to limit the context of, of what is going on in Gaza, because Israel is Israel to Palestinians of Gaza, to Palestinians of the West Bank, of the occupied territories, and even Palestinians who are living in the diaspora. Palestinians 
who are, you know, who are entitled by the United Resolution Number 194, which states that they have the right to return to their homes and villages they were expelled from since the Nakba of 1948, they are denied to return. For Palestinians at the West Bank, they are shot at the military checkpoints, uh, and there are hundreds of military checkpoints going over uh, a Palestinian land, in the, which is the West Bank. In the occupied territories, people, uh, Palestinians are facing discrimination to apply for jobs, to enter specific areas, to have a proper, you know, uh, to have certain uh, services, including, and lots of other things. The land grabbing continues, the, uh, and I mean land grabbing, I mean the land theft of Palestinian lands. It, it is still going on, despite the international community you know, declaring that Israel should stop and they are not stopping. The stealing of homes, of Palestinian homes, and replacing those indigenous Palestinians with Jewish communities in a Palestinian land, it is still going on. Shooting of Palestinians without discrimination of children, women, elders, young men. Early in the morning, a Palestinian who was on a live TikTok, he was shot on the live TikTok. So... It is, it is, I mean, those are human rights, those are human rights violations and those war crimes committed by Israel. It is, it is happening daily in Gaza, West Bank, occupied territories, and as well as not to limit the context of those uh, of inside the Palestinian borders, but also the Palestinians of the diaspora. The mm. question for them, the question for the practices uh, against those Palestinians, why they are denied to uh, to to return to their homes and villages as stipulated by the United Nations Resolution Number 194. Hi folks, and sorry for the interruption, but we are asking for your support. The Tortoise Shack relies on you, it relies on listeners, so if you can, please, you don't even have to hit pause now, you can just go on the phone, look at the screen, and hit that little link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. Have a look through the options you have. There is so much available on the on the feed. Uh, and anything you can do to help us helps keep these mics on. We'd really appreciate it. Like I said, you get tons of additional content for that. Our access to our entire back catalogue, all of our podcasts in one consolidated feed. Plus, it's plea free. You don't have to listen to these interruptions. We'd really appreciate it if you'd look at that screen, click that link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise and see if there's a level there that you think, you know what, I like what these guys are doing. I'm comfortable chipping in at that level. Please do. Really appreciate it. Let's get back to your podcast now. Thank you. To uh, to to return to their homes and villages as stipulated by the United Nations Resolution Number One Nine Four. Yeah, well, we can get into that, that resolution now. We can get into that at some, some other time. This and there's a, yeah. there's a long a long and troubled history there. I do want to ask you one um, one, one question that I, I do. Th- how was it received in in Gaza when um, Mahmoud Abbas made his what I would say was was a stupid statement in in Germany in relation to re- referencing everything back to the Holocaust? How was it received within Gaza? I mean, Gazans they don't actually have much time and space to think about what is going on outside Gaza. It's so unfortunate to tell you this, but this is a pretty normal to a situation, as I highlighted before, 15 years of blockade, people barely have time to have jobs or at least have a hope of a better life. They are dying. They are working so hard to to have food and water for their children. So not to understand if the huge politics goes beyond what's what's happening to Palestinians, because with those continuous long 
15 years of imprisonment inside Gaza, there is also another dimension of failure of the Palestinian Authority that they have not even fit those heavy prices and those blood sacrificed by the Palestinian community and by the Palestinian people. They have not been able to negotiate even those heavy prices, heavy costs Palestinians have been have been paying willingly, of course, because they have no alternative. Uh, and for those Palestinian in the Palestinian Authority and those Leaders and representatives of Palestinians, they even failed to uh, criminalize Israel at the ICC, of course, with the support of the US, of the US government and the providence of providing of full impunity for the, for the Israeli government. But also uh, our leadership have failed so far to act. Uh, yeah, the responsibility I, I, I think I think that's a very fair comment. It's it's a failure of p- politics as well. It's a failure of diplomacy. It's and you know it's really uh, yeah. you don't you have to know that's why that's why Tony people have no time to think of politics because they know it's not going to bring them food and water. It's not going to bring them uh, medication to Gaza. It's not going to bring them or grant them or allow them to enjoy their basic human rights. They have been living. A cycle of death, a cycle of nonsense, a cycle of hopelessness, a cycle of helplessness. That's why people don't think too much about the Holocaust and the comments by uh, uh, President Mahmoud Abbas or how the German uh, community acted towards it. Because even to that limit, the uh, Germans are, are, you know, they are making the Palestinians pay for mm. the, the, the crimes committed against uh, Jewish back then. You know, like there is always the issue of collective punishment, unfortunately, and we do and we do like simple narratives, and this is very definitely not a simple situation. Um, the the other thing that strikes me though is in terms of the logistics. We we've known the that money had been granted from certain other countries to help with the rebuild. Can you let me know if you are you aware if the if there's still blockades of getting this through? Is there still shortages of concrete? Still shortages of of all of the um, grains that are required to feed the the. Yes, yes that's true. We're talking about an only uh, an only access point to Gaza for those uh, certain equipment and certain material for the rebuilding and the reconstruction process. It's uh, through Kerem Shalom. Uh, crossing, which Israel controls 100%. So they allow certain amounts, they forbid certain quantities or certain uh, types of of raw material, for instance, and lots of other things that we can talk about. But not to limit on the lack capacity of rebuilding, but talking about the ongoing damage that is happening on the medical infrastructure, on the services infrastructure, on the uh, let's say the the the, the owners of businesses uh, level as well, because we're talking about a crisis that is also reaching people of uh, uh, of individual businesses like markets, like uh, people who are running clothing companies, uh, sewing companies, and lots of other things that they are even to those businesses they have been shutting down over the past 15 years because of the limitations imposed by the Israeli authorities and because of the continuation of bombings happening and violations happening uh, by the Israeli authorities inside Gaza. So there is no there is no time. There is no time for Palestinians to breathe, for Gazans to breathe, to be able to reconstruct. For t- taking an example for that, the infrastructure that, that hugely damaged during the war of 2008 so the, the estimate reconstruction uh, years 
as, as the experts said, it needed at least 10 years to reconstruct what had been damaged during the war of 2008. 40 years, less than 40 years, another war launched on Gaza. And another expectations of more five, six years, mm-hmm. adding to that after the war of 2011-2012. Two years, less than two years after, another war happened. From 2014, we're talking about more than 15 years needed yeah, to reconstruct I, 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 what has been what have been damaged. And in 2021, another war happened, more years added to reconstruction, less than one year, and another war happened. So it's not a matter of limitations, not only limitations that Israel imposes on the reconstruction of process, but also the continuations. The yeah, continuation I mean, of got, human rights violations and bombings happening. You have people who've been displaced from a previous, I mean, I think it was uh, Rifat Alarir said to us, you know, when he wrote that piece, was that his daughter was four four wars old. Yeah. You know, and this About is his the daughter. Co- He's a friend, by the way. Yeah, well, you see, this is, uh, he, he's, he, 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 prob- he probably helped, he probably lectured you on certain things as well. You know? He did, yeah. Um, but I, I, I want to go to a couple of specific things. I remember during the most recent conflict that there was, you know, there was obviously the propaganda war and how things things happened and then how Israel reported on them. Yeah. And then days later, Israel came back and said, well, actually, yes, you know, our yeah. strike did do that and it did actually kill those four children. And, and But the news had already moved on because everybody had had this battle of, well, the Palestinians are saying one thing and the Israelis are saying another. Yes. So, but But famously now... We've seen the case of the of the journalist Shireen Abu Akla, and now we've seen in the last number of days. So two things have happened. One, uh, an Irish uh, MEP, Grace O'Sullivan, has proposed in the European Parliament that that uh, posthumously award the Sakharov Prize to to journalist Shireen Abu Akla. Um, mm-hmm. And then we've seen in the last kind of twenty four hours the Israeli uh, officials saying, "Well." Yes, we we've they've admitted that they did shoot her, and that um, they've kind of apologized in in a statement, and they've um, but yeah. they've and they've started, but they've said, well, that she wasn't wearing a journalist jacket, which we know was not was untrue from from yeah. all, all the things we've seen. What has been the reaction? I know Shireen was held in hugely high regard by everybody in like she was looked upon. I spoke to people in Gaza who told me that they'd hold a hairbrush in front of the mirror and practicing being yeah, Shireen. She yeah. was that she was even that me, important. Even yeah. to me, I used to play a role, her voice, Shireen Abakla, Ramallah, Palestine. Mm. I mean, my generation lived on the voice of Shireen Abakla reporting from Palestine. She not inspired me as a man, as a journalist, but she inspired tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of other women to pursue careers the community is determined not suitable for them. She was an inspiration to me as a man, as a journalist, as a father, and above all things, as a human being. That's why it is so unfortunate to uh, to witness the Israeli propaganda, disinformation, manipulation of the killing of Shireen. It was a clear case that the international community failed to act towards Shireen Abu Akhle, was a pure journalist who reported for the last 25 years of her life, reporting from Palestine. She was wearing a vest, clearly showing press. She was wearing a helmet and the bullet shot a place that the helmet does not cover. So I I don't even have any idea how people think that was not intentional, despite tens of international uh, journalist uh, journal, uh, journalism agencies investigated the incident 
and they reported back that it's done by Israel. And with the support, of course, of the impunity provided by the administration, Israel kept spreading lies, disinformation about the killing of Shirina, the assassination of Shirina Barkley, because we have to be accurate. This has been an assassination. It is an assassination. It will be an assassination, not particularly Shirin, because we're talking about 50 journalists were killed by Israel since the year of 2000. So Shirin is just, it's so unfortunate to say that it's just another number added to this, uh, to those numbers, to those Palestinians, journalists died. My friend uh, Yasser Murtaja, who was intentionally targeted during the Great March of Return back in 2018. He was wearing a vest. He was wearing a helmet. He was also shot in a, in a place, in his stomach, in a place that the vest does not cover. So with, with this overall image that I have just provided, still, the international community fails to act for those war crimes committed. Even, let's say, how bad it is, the situation, when the Israeli chef says that, yes, we admit we are high, most likely the reason that an Israeli soldier shot Shirina Mbaatli, which is, he admits it. But later he says, we're not opening an investigation as we believe this as not intentional violation or targeting. The international community? There's no... Zero response to that. Zero response to that. If it happens to Ukraine, Trust me, hundreds and thousands of condemnations would have been immediately released and war crimes accusations towards Russian Like I I spoke to, um, there's a a, a human rights lawyer I know, um, uh, we spoke to yesterday who works with um, our international Irish rule of law international and he's traveled everywhere. They've been to Malawi, they've been, you know, to Libya, but they're going now to Ukraine to investigate war crimes as well. And I do, you know, I do think it's important that, you know, that, you know, you're not overstating it when you call some of these events war crimes, just because we've got the language in Western media tends to sanitize it and says, yeah, you know, uses, uses phrases like clashes, uses phrases yeah. like, you know, exchange of gunfire, conflict, yeah. yeah, exchange of rockets between Hamas and Israel, which is not Israel has existed before even the existence of any military activity in Palestine. How many, how many war crimes, how many massacres committed for Palestinians? indigenous populations, including my original village of Barbara. How many people died there back in the, during the Nakba of 1948? Hamas existed, Hamas, the G, the GIB, the Jihad Islamic Party, they existed as a response of this continuation of this continuous war crime committed. It's as simple as that. The, 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 the last thing I want to ask you, Sam, is that the most recent escalation was Israel said a targeting of Islamic Jihad and yeah. and, and their leaders. How has that fared in terms of the the presence of of uh, of Islamic Jihad within Gaza? And I know also in the West Bank that they you know because they had there was a major arrests there of anybody who who was seen to be affiliated with um, yeah. as I think Gareth Brown who was in the West Bank reported to us he said they, they arrested twenty four people some of them might have been members others might have just been wearing the wrong headscarf. Yeah, that's even even if I get along with that, Tony. If I say Yes, they are affiliated to jihad or even trying to justify for Israel for killing them. Let's hear what the international humanitarian law says, that it forbids even targeting of those people in a densely populated neighborhoods. And you see how bad it is when the Israeli 
when the Israeli official accounts, the army accounts, they publish a video clearly showing that it's a, it's a residential towers where hundreds of families are living and they still targeted that. Let's talk about the, out, the outcome of those bombings. We're talking about more than 44 Palestinians died. How many children and women? More than half. More than half of them. They are children and they are women. So I don't really see getting along with those Israeli false narratives is, 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 is helping by anyhow for the Western communities to understand that those are purely human rights violations and they are purely war crimes. Because, because getting along with those, it just... Accepts it's that narrative like and accepts that framing. It's like babysitting the understanding of the Western communities because they don't exert efforts to really wipe their eyes and see what is going on. Because mm-hmm. even with what Israeli claims, this is still a war crime. This is still a human rights violation, even with what Israel I, 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 we recall that. we recall the last again the last escalation and the first time we spoke on on air you um we had said the rumor had, well the propaganda had started that one of the children was yep. a daughter of a of a of a commander in Islamic Jihad and she's, as if she was uh, from an entirely different family but but it, even if she was she was still she's murdered. a child for yeah. God's sake she's just a child yeah. and you are showing a video of targeting a residential buildings a residential building where Tens of families are living, and you still targeted them, which is a violation of international humanitarian law. Mm. You bombed a family house in, in Rafah, where also seven members died. They're civilians, even with what Israeli claims and justifies, even with that, those are still war crimes and human rights violations. What response of the, of the international community and the US government? Absolutely zero supportive of Israel's self-defense. What self-defense? There are no single casualty among the Israelis, no single one. So what kind of conflict you're talking about? You're talking about an army that has been supported by 3.4 billions of dollars on a yearly basis by the US administration, by providing a full impunity by the, uh, by the US administration, by the support of almost all the dominant countries around the world, and you're talking about Hamas or Jihad Islamic Party, those parties who are making a handmade rockets with, with basic material and inflicting no damage, no casualties. How this is even a conflict? How this well, it's, obviously, we've known about the imbalance, but I also want to bring this, and this is this is nothing to do with you, Islam, but I want listeners to understand that there's a lot of work going in in Ireland to try and get us to commit to joining NATO and becoming parts of this and, and military spending of 2%, which, you know, we could really do with spending on housing for people who are, who are experiencing homelessness. But one of the interesting things I saw recently was, and again, it's, I'm sorry to go off on a tangent, but I think listeners would, would like, should hear this. There was a, a conference held. We're talking about our military and how we should support them. And it was sponsored and it was sponsored by Lockheed Martin. Lockheed Martin make the missiles that fall on on Gaza, Lockheed Martin make the missiles that 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 kill people and Palestinians. I mean, we were at this conference. Was there Kieran Cudahy, well-known broadcaster from News Talk, was actually emceeing it, and mm-hmm. this happened in plain sight. So, do not think that these we have to join the dots. Everybody, we have to be able yeah. to sit back and see where what what is happening here. There is a war machine, and at the yeah. end of the day, those missiles that that are that are being made, they end up getting fired somewhere. 
And it's it's what it's so sorry to go off on a tangent, but I just want our listeners to understand that it it, it seems like Gaza seems thousands of kilometers away, but this event happened in Dublin. You yeah. know, so so these things are connected in my mind because these are the same companies that are behind this. When when Sam talks about three billion of of st- supports, the, yeah. that tri- that three billion is spent on those on those weapons. Yeah, on those weapons who are and those weapons they contribute to killing of innocent civilians. So either the U.S. citizens acknowledge it or see it or love it or understand it or not they are part of this continuous violations and war crimes committed. So at the, at the very least, my last message, at the very least, they should act responsible for their, for their dollars, pay the taxes, and support it to Israel. At least they should go on a question where those taxes going. At least, as a human being, you should question if your money is contributing to killing of innocent civilians. Yeah, Issam Adwan, we'll we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us again. Uh, mind yourself, and I do hope you can resolve your um, ability to to actually go and see uh, the lands that you want to visit. And you yeah. and again, I think as we started, we will finish. You shouldn't be granted human rights; they are supposed to be yeah, human they rights. Be Yes. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we'll talk. Listen, folks, we're back um, this afternoon with economist Michael Taft. So more coming. Thanks for the support. And we will talk to you very, very soon. Take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.